<sighs> well, what are you gonna do? What do you do with this world? You know what you do? Try to stay in the vote. Middle. I already did. How about you, Dad? Uh, first day for early voting is Saturday, where I am. I don't, I'm trying to figure out how early I have to get in line. Hmm. I, there was no line for me. I walked over to the Abbott Hall, walked up. Took the, oh, but I'll tell you, this was reassuring. So, so when all this all this Corona started coming down, I was like, "Fuck, I, I gotta make sure that I can vote." any which way right so i i i requested my mail-in ballot you know got it received it thinking that we might all be locked down and um then i just walked over to the early voting at the abbott hall and um they said oh but but you requested a a, a mail-in ballot and i said yeah but i'm just gonna vote in person is that okay they said they said sure they said just you know make sure you throw away your mail-in ballot and we'll make sure on this end that it doesn't so like all this not like they've got systems in place all this nonsense about like people are going to vote twice. like they knew so fast mm -hmm. there's no way i could have voted twice yep death american life had an uh a good episode like a week or two ago and they spoke to a woman who actually like tallies the votes i can't remember wisconsin or something Omnibudsman. And, and um most people that work at those polling stations or that or that are responsible for collecting ballots do so as a volunteer sure. and um this poor woman she was like the the People are coming in worried about this now. It's literally a non-issue. It's overcomplicated my job by like tenfold. And the people that know the system know how it kind of, not impossible because anything's possible, but how unlikely it is that people would be voting twice or voting fraudulently. It's just like, it's not actually what happens at all in any election. And so, yeah, but it's a good episode. It's just like pure distraction yeah and they had a dude there and his sole job was to sit quietly until someone because you get the ballot and then you go into like a little 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 cordoned off area um and then you you know you use your sharpie oh, you guys still there mm -hmm. yeah okay. use your sharpie or whatever to, to circle the things and then you go take your ballot and you drop it in the box and then dude would get up from his chair and amble over to where you were with a disinfectant and spray it down. That was his job. And at first I thought he was like a, like a, like a, a proud boy, like an intimidator, like, he's gonna be, you know, and then I realized his job was just to go over and spray like Lysol on the surfaces. Did you actually think he was an intimidator? I did. He looked like an intimidator. But and here and, he was, just a good soul trying just, to keep just the a dude volunteering his time. And it was sort of pitiful. It. Yeah, it was sort of pitiful because it was just me and some lady that were voting. And so, like, for the most of the day, he was just sitting there waiting around to spritz. It's good <laughs> having an intimidating dude around, though. There's a, my grocery store hires intimidating dudes to just stand yeah. right at the entrance and smile at you as you come in. And they're the friendliest yeah. people. But. <laughs> Guess what store hasn't been robbed? That grocery mm. store. The other grocery store down the street, 
robbed. The hardware store on the other end of the street, robbed. That one, robbed. nothing. But so you're describing security guards. Yes, but that guy, I'm sure, is <laughs> what well, these guys also collect the uh, the carts and the baskets. So they also okay. have a um, somewhat organizational role. But my point is, it's good to have someone intimidating looking um, in some contexts. Like me, I wouldn't stop anyone from robbing a store. I would, I would say, with those eyebrows. (laughs) Um, I was reading about some store would like that they it was like a Walgreens or something. They just shut the fuck down. They've been shoplifted so badly. They're like, (laughs) it's just not worth it. Where? I think it was in San Francisco. There's like we're just during all this time or. No, just recently, they're just like we we're it's it, it, we can't keep up with the shoplifting. The Walgreens near me, um, you can't just go to the cooler section and take a drink out. There's an attendant mm. there that unlocks mm. whichever door you want a drink from. Then they lock Beverage. it back up. Used to be like the only thing that used to be like is like razor blades. Remember, you know, mm-hmm. like if you because razor blades are so ludicrously expensive, like you'd have to get the concierge. In Canada, you still do. Oh, you definitely do. Yeah. You have to get the CVS concierge yeah. to come over and, and, and unlock the razor blade cabinet. Now it's going to be like that for everything. Concierge, could you please unlock this for my <laughs> soap? Concierge. You know the most frequently stolen item in grocery stores? Mm-hmm. Cheetos. Gum? Cheetos. <laughs> you're both so close. Actually, George, you're closer. Really? Cheese. Cheese. Cheese? Yeah, because cheese is expensive. Oh, People that. just steal bricks of cheese. That's the most I love that. stolen food I item. I believe that for one second. I know this to be a fact in Canada. I, I want it to it's be It's like true. pretty heavily documented and reported. And apparently a, a large portion of that is expected or suspected to be actually staff. Staff that just pockets like a brick of cheese here and there. I love this so much. Mm-hmm. So because it's expensive, it's like you know, a little yeah, thing like so that can be a lot of other things that aren't. But cheese. what else is like cheese? Nothing. That's what in terms of delicious. <laughs> in terms of cost and volume, I feel like cheese is kind of in its own category. Oh, I love everything about this conversation. <laughs> you feel that by co- cost per volume, cheese. Is some kind of some kind of store of value? You think cheese is the next Bitcoin? No, no. <laughs> I don't think anyone's saying it's a store of value. <laughs> I'd like We're to not, go on the record. You think that when I've all when all hell breaks loose on November whatever third or fourth or whatever, that that it's going to our economy is going to be completely organized around bartering and exchange of cheese. Got to buy some cheddar. Goats. People like like my my great uncle. Um, um, Adolf. He he would just keep bricks of cheese in his bed under his bed. You have some German lineage. I do. My my mom's uh, maiden name, Rohrbach. 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 R o h r b a u g h. Means means lover of of cheese. <laughs> Aren't you lucky? You ended up a Howard. <laughs> you know what Howard means? Hogwarden. And, or like farmer. And you know what George means? Geo meaning earth. Erg meaning work. Earth worker. Farmer. So I'm farmer hog warden. Farmer, hmm. farmer. 
farmer, farmer. But Carly, so your thesis is is that the, the, our economy, everything will will move from from dollars and and negotiated <laughs> currency to negotiated cheese. Sure. Yes, that's what? what I think. I think stock up now. It's going to be like the beginning of the pandemic when you couldn't find any toilet paper. Go and buy your cheese now. It's going to be foolish. Buy a goat. Cow, you can fit <laughs> and then make your own cheese. Yes, are you I kidding like me? I don't like goat cheese. I don't like it at all. It's my, well, my yeah, favorite but cheese. Carly will not eat goat cheese. The square footage you need for raising Buy a, a goat, goat compared to a cow. Get two goats. I don't, know what, the, I don't know what the goat. cheese output is, but I Gross, love that. Whatever. I love that delivery. Was like you're foolish, but it was so Dwight Schrute. It was very. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It was like like why would you buy cheese when you can buy a goat and then make all of your cheese? That it, like, it's not wrong. That. Yeah. Well, it might be wrong because, <laughs> like, having a goat around isn't great. I don't think. They're I don't so want a goat. Cute. You yeah, can but do you yoga think skunks with are them. cute? You think, you sk- think skunks are adorable? You've but never been this skunked. Is, this is all in the context of cheese becoming currency. So yeah, I'm gonna stick with. I'm gonna buy a goat <laughs> rather than cheese. <laughs> Why well, buy the milk when you can buy the cow? It's a money tree. Or whatever that thing. It's goats. Maybe goats are the new money though. tree. I don't know. Bitcoin crossed over over to Reddit. It's just tiptoeing up to thirteen k. Yeah. Goat coin. Somebody should do goat coin. Maybe if someone already has. We had Doge coin, which is a dog. Still do. Yeah, kind of. I don't think I don't think there's a lot of liquidity around Doge coin <laughs> these days. Maybe. Well, I look forward to researching that. <laughs> That's a <laughs> yeah. statement. I wonder so, what Dogecoin is want, at these days. I, I want to. I want to research this idea that the, the 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 single most valuable commodity in Canada is a block of cheese. No, not the most valuable. It's the most stolen item out of grocery stores. And I, think I would think for Canada it would steal. be. I would think it would be syrup, or or it's the trees. Or, you keep on going straight to the end products. It's the yeah, maple trees Canadians that are most valuable. Tree in their backyard, so why, why Getty Lee should do a coin. The might Getty already coin. be on a coin. Should be on a coin. You might. I think the the lyrics of Getty Lee would be the most valuable <laughs> currency. The baselines of Getty Lee. I used to have a prized. Um, I think it was a euro because it had Miguel de Cervantes on it. And I know that dude. He was my student. The guy that wrote Don Quixote. <laughs> okay, Don Quixote was not written by. I don't think Cervantes' first name was Miguel. Yeah, it was. I believe you. I, I believe that I'm wrong, but I had a student named Miguel de something or other. <laughs> How old was he? I know. He's two hundred and fifty uh, years old. I was yeah. in school with him. His he was always talking about Sancho Cervantes. Panza. Are you sure Berkeley? Cervantes' name was Miguel? Yes, because for the longest time, my family thought we were related to him. We thought that some. I thought that. I've wondered this, that myself. We thought some branch of the Cervantes clan, like yeah. left Spain, yeah. went up to England, yeah. and then my yeah. aunt, who is a Cervantes by um, marriage, not by blood. Uh, did a whole family tree and found out it's as, always that one as as far back <laughs> as she can go, uh, which was pretty far back. It was some dude living in some poor house who was a servant, 
And that was oh. like, we are literally, my name is not Dan Cervantes. It's Dan Servants. I know. I know. I know. I thought. Dan I, also, Dan also means servant. <laughs> Daniel. Daniel I, is a servant to the Lord, servant to Christ. Daniel. The book I, of Daniel. I thought I had some great art in my bloodline or something. Some No. Servants. No. I got farmers. You got servants. Yeah. Carly. Carly's a great name. I, I love that name. I don't know what Sheridan means or where it came from. Sheridan? Yeah. Means, I know it's Irish. But. It, it means, no, no, Dan, Dan is, is well, it's Irish, but it's, it's from Old English. It's Anglo-Saxon. And Dan is, is like, Dan in this context is, is um, like a, a, a um, like a river, um, what do you call it? Not a dam, but like a beer, B-I-E-R, like a blockage. And then Sherry is is like surcimvent so you so it's 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 water running I can Sheridan never tell is, when he's is, making shit up or i know he real. had it going for a while and then it's like no he lost sheridan me i don't is, think any is, of this so sheridan true. means estuary <laughs> and carly is is of course the distaff version of charles and charles means That's boat true. driver right so carly is the distaff of charles and charles is boat driver. So you are boat driver, dam navigator. <laughs> that makes so much sense. So many of the decisions that I've made in my life now are clear. My love boat of, driver, dam of boat navigator. driving and dams and beers. Yes. If you can Carly, according to Google, means free woman. Mm -hmm. Free or woman. Boat, yeah, boat driver. Because, I mean, the boat drivers were the, in, in the ancient times were the freemen. Small, small champion is what Carly means in Gaelic. Yeah, I like that. I'm a small Freeman. champion. In Urs, Urs in Gaelic, it means small champion. Mm. You're a small champion. Mm -hmm. What are you the champion of? Like if you were you? like, if you were going to have a crest, like if you had a crest, what would it be? What would you be the champion of? I don't know. Let me get back to you. I have no idea. What would you be the champion of, Dan? If like on your on your crest, the Cervantes crest. The servants crest. You'd be the champion of the servants. <laughs> no, that's nice. It's the servants crest. It's nice. It's not the Cervantes crests. <laughs> servants. Well, crest. But what would you? What would be on your crest? I don't know. Right now, I'm feeling beef Wellington, but maybe that's just because it's getting a little cold. Well, I love that. That's <laughs> yeah. the only appropriate answer. You what? are the. You are the. Sir, you are the. Sir, um, what was it? The, the champion of beef Wellington. More people should that. know, but I feel like a lot of people very rarely eat beef Wellington. I associate it with, um, so I grew up with the TV dinner and my favorite of the TV dinners variants. Anybody want to guess? Uh, what's that Obvious. thing? Um, exactly. Salisbury exactly. steak. You got it. Of course. <laughs> there is no other answer. Salisbury steak. Beef Wellington. I'm the champion of <laughs> guessing Salisbury <laughs> yeah. steak. You're the champion. I believe a beef Wellington, if I'm not, mistaken is beef wrapped in some sort of crust pastry. is that correct yep pastry yes yeah, yeah. Salisbury steak i don't know if i've ever had a beef wellington uh, well but you guys Damn. don't need a bunch of meat, do you yeah i'll never know we could make carly we could make a, a beyond beyond beef wellington with the there aren't really beyond steaks though right it's, well you had yeah. that like lump of yeah that was like a lump of ground <laughs> 
Mm. Beyond meat. <laughs> just a lump of ground. Yeah, I, that was a bad experience. The first one I really liked, last one, I was hiccuping and I was gassy, yeah. like all these things after that. Nobody With wants the tacos? to hear about yeah. But maybe gassiness. it's the taco sauce. No, I know what it is, Dan. I use a if lot you, of spices. Yeah, you're putting regularly. all sorts of nonsense on there. Yeah. you got to bring maybe the spinach was and bad? Dan over. We'll do a taco off with young Alex. Beyond taco off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are yours going to be? Just plain beyond beef? No, mine are going to be awesome. All you have to know, <laughs> all you have to worry about is is like how you're going to possibly contain yourself when you bite into the deliciousness that will be my 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 taco. I did change it up this time, though. I used tortilla bowls instead of know, tortillas. Tortilla bowl. bowl. Yeah. So you had like a taco salad. What? Yeah, is I guess wrong so. with you. Are you from the 80s? <laughs> God, I wish. Oh, and Beef the dude, the bowl. lead singer of the outfield died today. Michael, Mike, Mike, Mike Oldfield. No, I know I saw that. His name 62. is not Mike Oldfield. It's but I saw Mike it. Lewis, I think. Yeah, yeah. I love the song. Your what love. was their hit? Your love. Take on me by oh. Aha. <laughs> what was their hit? Your love. Sing it. I don't think I know no, that. That, that. That was in my uh, my bar gig set list, though. Oh come on, and you know it well. Can you hum oh, it at I least? I see guitars there. Hum the fuck out of it. We'll pay the we'll pay the PRO royalties. <laughs> we will pay the PRO royalties. I will pay the PRO royalties. <laughs> Is it on radar? I'm buying songs like crazy. Did you, did you did you read my article? Buying songs. Yeah, I have not read the article yet. Damn. Buying songs for us? I'm delighted by this. My article for this week was about eating your own dog food, scratching your own itch. How do we get more music on radar? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you how. Me. Because I went over the weekend, went on radar, listened to some tracks, selected to, paid $50 per track, then I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to the composers because currently on radar there's only a license for me to use their music in a film. I prefer not to make a film. I'd like <laughs> to make a film, but I, I don't have time. In the midst of all the other things, I, I'm not gonna be able to make my film. But now this is gonna this is gonna force me to go to these composers and say, let's let's make a deal. Let's let's put a contract template together for the use of your works in the ENA podcast. I signed ENA up as signatories to the Open Music Initiative. We are we are members. I love that. And and then I would think in a week or so, if you all agree, I noted in my article that this is democracy. I've been told repeatedly that I'm not in charge <laughs> of everything. I've been told repeatedly. Is that hard that for George, you. Yeah, I've been told. I've been reminded repeatedly. It's not it's my hard, thing. It's hard having thirty three point three percent control, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like a like a long playing record. <laughs> um, so if you both agree, actually, only if one of you agrees, if one of you agrees, if Carly's like, yeah, I'm in. And Dan's like, no, I'm going to go make Salisbury steak. Then, then we went. <laughs> Very different from beef Wellington, but sure. What, are we still talking about using radar music in this? Right. Yeah. Well, so I think that it would be because you had come to me, you had come to me and you had said, George, what I would like for you to do is to break out your sweet, sweet axe. And to compose a masterpiece for the end of each ENA episode. I would like you 
to give me, Dan, the gift of song. <laughs> you called wildly me a, misquoted both of us in the last 10 minutes. Carly, Carly sent me an, a, we communicate exclusively through WhatsApp. And so she sent me a WhatsApp audio message, which I don't really know how to use. I put the thing up to my ear and then it stops playing and then I put it down and it's a big mess. So I'm constantly going, oh, is it playing? And then put it up to my ear and stop playing. But her WhatsApp message said, George. <laughs> and this is total nonsense already, George, but continue. I have a, George, I have a request. I would like you to give me Carly a gift. And the gift I would like you to give me is the gift of you taking it your sweet, 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 sweet. You whispered it at this point. <laughs> sweet. And, I had to, and again, my phone was going off, so I had to put it right up to my ear in there. I'll put a little reverb and echo on you saying sweet. Take out your sweet. I had that tapping, the garage band tapping in the background. <laughs> Take out your sweet, sweet axe. In your tambo. Room of tambos. Get your, t get your tambo and your sweet axe. And I want you to give me the gift. I want you to give me the gift. I want you to give me the gift of your talent. Can you stop? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, real time deciding whether I keep that in or not. <laughs> yeah. The content of this. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I need from you, George. You're whispering. Your axe. Yeah. To get out your sweet, sweet axe and your tambo and give me the gift of your talent <laughs> and make a song. It's true. I've been exposed. I sent so that, I got that, yeah, I got that, that message. I got that WhatsApp message from Carly and I got Dan a similar one. <laughs> so I went in. You George. bought Dan one, so you gifted a, no, a, a voice similar message, message from similar me. Similar message from Dan. So I went into my tambo room. My sweet cases, leather, pop the back Corinthian. Off. <laughs> what? Nothing. Sorry. Continue. You said pop the back off. Pop the pop the back off of one of my cases. Inside the case, it's wool, like a sheep's wool, on the inside, and then a luxurious leather on the outside. Inside, tambo, wrench, tuned it, made the gift. But then I decided the true, the <laughs> true gift, the truest gift that I could give both of you all. It was hard for me to say this. The truest gift I could give both of you all is not the gift of my music. Because you can teach a man to fish. The truest gift <laughs> is to expose you to radar. You're welcome. Another interesting choice of words. Dan was free. I'm going to expose you to joy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know what I'm going to try to do on this podcast? Keep my tube in. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's clever, though. My tube in. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't make that up, did you? Yeah. Just right now? Yeah. Why is that clever? Do you know this story? 
also this last like yesterday or something a new yorker oh yeah yes yeah. So, um, journalist was caught yeah. <laughs> tubin that's actually a good word for it oh, okay tubin. now i got i wasn't thinking his last name yeah that's smart where no one's tube is being exposed yeah <laughs> disclaimer <laughs> we'd like we'd like it to be known I need to be able to use these Zoom recordings later on, guys. We gotta. <laughs> don't look at me. You don't know where I was looking. I'm just looking at my <laughs> little true. green light. Anyway, so I, I licensed some music from Radar, and if you all agree, yes, if I agree. can make a contract, and then we will we will have some new background music, intro, outro, etc. The students will have money in their pockets. We will give them credit, and that, Daniel. Is how people will start adding more music to it. So but if there's not an accessible library to the public mm. right now, correct? Or is no. there anyone could look at it and license it? No, no, yeah. not at all. It's only for film schools. Students? Currently, yeah. and this this was the blind spot, and this is what I wrote about. So when we were standing this project up, I thought I need a two-sided market. Who needs music that right now can't get it? It's expensive, it's a problematic. And I went to uh, went to film schools, went to Leslie University, and and they were like, "Yeah, this this solves a problem for us." What I missed is <laughs> GHS has made videos for colleges for their promotional material, and I licensed music from you know random places. So I'm I'm pivoting. I'm I'm going. We need to get colleges that are making promotional materials to use Berkeley students' music in their promotional materials. And you know what college should do that first? Berkeley. You got to eat your own dog food. Mm -hmm. But now I got to write some licenses up for that, some legalese. And podcasts. Podcasts are notoriously hard to license music. Totally. And you see what you see what Spotify's doing. Spotify apparently thinks that they can just flaunt all applicable copyright law and be like, if you make a podcast on Spotify, you can use any music you want. I think you said this, Dan. So I guess I'll just put the white album on my podcast, right? Like, you, you, no. You can, you can only, but that podcast has to be exclusive to Spotify. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense. Horse shit. Yeah. I guess the argument is what's, what's the difference with what Apple Music is doing with its radio, where it's got celebrities doing radio shows, playing the music, and what do the artists get when they play one of the songs on the radio shows? However many streams occur on that episode, that's how many streams the artist gets on that song. We need to expand the total addressable market for the use of music, and we need, we need to make it easier for people, just as you say, Dan, who want to license music to be able to do so directly with the composers. That's the only thing I'm working on. That, mm -hmm. going back to Cervantes, that is the windmill that I'm tilting at. It's the only way. I mean, nobody's going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, you know what I'd like to do? Pay Spotify more music, more money. It's why, not going to happen. Why directly with the composers? As opposed to? A library. I want the library to take, I mean, Radar is essentially a library. They're not really calling it that, but but because it's built on blockchain, because the transactions are going through on a smart contract, there's little to no transaction costs. And so libraries typically, as you and I both well know, take a, a pretty hefty 
piece of the action, mm-hmm. and that's fine if they're if they're providing a service. I just if think there are too many. The music, yeah. yeah, sure. I mean, this is something we wrestle with all the time, and and I I took some heat because I did an interview for BuzzFeed, and I I think I described um, you know the the royalties um, paid to artists as usurious, right? I mean, like like a a, a a loan shark, and on it was on my LinkedIn or whatever, and some people were giving me some shit, and and that's fine. But they, you know, if you are a library or a publisher or whatever, and you're performing a service, great. But if you're just holding on to assets and being what's known as a rent seeker, taking taking a piece of the action and not not delivering any type of service, that that to me is is not right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the record industry today trying to figure out what the role of the publisher, the label, the manager, or whatever is, and what the what the balanced exchange is. We know that it's not, we don't know what fair, fair market price for music is. We just know that the current market price is not fair, right? And we don't know what a fair record deal is. We just know that the current traditional major label record deals are not fair. The, the next book for our book club might talk about some of this stuff. Oh, you already have your choice. It's your choice. I've, I've thought about it for a while. And I've, I'm Ooh, so I'm excited. excited about this. And I'm you know who gets to do, do choice number four? Like I could not be more excited for your choice, Dan. I have a guess on what it might be. I don't want to. I don't want to say. Well, I've, I've, yeah. I've got two. One is a safe one that I know everyone will love, and one is a book that I haven't read, but that talks about that too. Go brave about. I'll read it together. Valuing art at very high prices. Wow, I'm so into this, but we have to. Mr. Mark Cates has to be the fourth choice, right? Like he's got to choose book four. That's a good idea. Yeah, I love think? that idea. Yeah, yeah. that's a really I mean, good he's, idea. He's so great. I want, his, I, I, I want his book to be book four. Me too. I'm trying yeah, to like gently. That's an unrealistic deadline. <laughs> <laughs> he's got had his weeks. whole life to write. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. two weeks. I'm sorry. Has he not been doing the artist's way and yes. working on his art every single week? He's, he's so fucking weeks awesome. In. He's so he awesome. Is really and, awesome. And, and I just think like. Like, I think Franco's so awesome too, in a completely different way. Like Franco showed up, my student at the book club, and like the juxtaposition of Franco's like idealism and just wonderful mm-hmm. spirit and nature buttressed against Mark's experience to me was so beautiful. Like, yeah. like, and I'm not saying cool. one was wrong or right. It, it was, was just like, yeah, it, I, yeah. it was palpable. That's exactly right. And and. I just loved that. I loved that this podcast and all this created that collision between a, you know, 19-year-old songwriter from I don't even know where, you know, some Latinx songwriter and Mark Cates, you know, who ran the 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 Beastie Boys label and like mm-hmm. the, the wisdom there and then the the but but also equally valuable is Franco's point of view that's what i loved about it. it was like franco's not wrong and yeah. and mark has a, a shit ton of experience and like that that combination of the two is what keeps your mind going like and, and that's why mark's i mean I, I think i can feel safe to say i can speak for him the reason he's engaging is because he wants more access to a franco and i don't mm-hmm. know if franco's old enough to appreciate it yet but like having access to a mark cates at his age mm-hmm. That's pretty special too. So, like that type of collision is is really cool. Yeah, uh, Berkeley breeds optimism. 
and naivety. It's funny you say that. Like it, in a in a class today, I, I I exhorted my young students to during this time to to stay optimistic, to stay to don't and, and I get accused of this a lot. Like don't don't just focus on burning shit down, but like focus on what can be built in its place. You know and. It's really, really tempting right now with Spotify and everything else to just to be like, ah, oh, fuck it. Like, I think that that's when you reach a tipping point. That's when you go through the trough of despair and things start to start to actually happen. Like, right when you're at that point where you're about ready to just toss it in. Yeah, but the the other side is romanticizing a music industry that isn't Don't there. Do that. Yeah. Don't do that. I think that's, that's really, really important. And and I think we need to do, I need to do, and, and, and Dan, you can help me and Carly too, because you come from a different different lens. But there are two different music industries, right? The music industry of Warner, Universal, and Sony or whatever is not the music industry for like the vast majority of people. And we really need to focus on that that differentiation. I w- it might be, I don't know the numbers, but it might be the music industry for the most amount of business professionals right there might yeah, be a i think that's right so all the adjacent all the lawyers all the all the adjacent people too yeah i think that's right they're in entire economies yeah what have you all worked on i wrote i wrote a banging article well you just described it it is a great article and i'm very excited joseph shared Radar options and songs with us, and there was I just I liked I favorited like more than half of them. There's, and it's one, a great there's one that's just like perfect. Yeah, the last and one. My request to Joseph was like find more like this because yeah. for podcasts it just for the podcast I totally agree. It. I think some of the other ones are, would be great for for just individual pieces for or like film. videos. Lot, too. They were yeah. all great for film. Yeah, every single one. It was, was hard to film. choose, but um, it it is a really great piece and. Yeah. Um, I'm just throwing Why money the out pile. the window. So you can use some of that money to, to buy a, a radar sign. They're $50 yeah, perfect. right now. Oh, it's, yeah, one song. I just bought a song. Is that a single that's use? How, that, that's how I priced it. I priced it at um, at the what we have to pay for not doing an article. I priced the radar songs. <laughs> so not true. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's so smart. <laughs> Thanks. George's Thanks. sense of humor. I've learned this through the podcast. Your your favorite type of humor is just misdirection. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love just baffling. Or pure I love, well, I just love that moment where there's the uncertainty of if I'm just full of shit or, or not. And like I can see it in people's faces where they're they're like But you love it because you hold the cards because mm-hmm. you know yeah. 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 It's a power yeah. move. It is a Kenny power move. Fucking Rogers. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, I've got it. I know when to hold him. Know when to fold him. I've got the know when uh, to walk away. Oh no, it's not Kenny Rogers. Kenny Loggins. Kenny no. Loggins. That's where you were headed. You yeah. just you just associate all Kennys. You di- don't differentiate. <laughs> I've got the Top Gun soundtrack on vinyl. Of course you do. Of course you do. Take my breath away. Yeah. Oh yeah. Kenny Loggins' son put out a great album in like 2007 i forget what his name is um God, I remember. R- ryan. ryan solid it's ryan a solid ryan. like pop rock singer so it never did anything but it's just like it, it hit that genre right above average and that's oh, that's, that's what i strive for a comfortable spot 
<laughs> we have a client that one of the founders loves fucking Kenny Loggins and like has a personal relationship with him. I did not know that. That's yeah. a little. And so, so like we'll be in a meeting and you'll be like, well, I could talk to Kenny Loggins. <laughs> and all I can think of <laughs> is the Caddyshack theme. I'm a red. <laughs> well, you and this client and at least one other person on the team constantly bring up references to like 70s singer-songwriters. Yeah. And everyone that is everyone else on the call is just like, who? <laughs> or just, you just name a day. song. Like I would know the artist, yeah. but you named the song. And it was yeah. Yeah. totally over my head. I love it. I love it. I love to see youngins not know who Steeler's wheels are or something. Just like I love Yeah, it. that's one I wouldn't get. You would, but you would know it immediately. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen? Um, have you ever seen Reservoir Dogs? Mister Pink, Mister Blue, Mister Blonde. Of course, I, I know. I know what you're talking about. I, You've never seen that movie. I don't know if I have. That's one of those things where it's Guess like. Guess what you're watching tonight. Damn. Uh, something else I had to watch. Why are you not? Why do you not watch that? That's a great know. movie. Man, there's a lot of movies that are great that I haven't watched. I'm gonna make you um, a list. Watch it. In, in I would love a case, list. I would love a list of movies, by the way, that I have to watch. That can be an article. George, that's your article for next week. Ten movies you have to watch. No, man, I'm on a fucking roll. All right, well, then write two okay, articles. Going. Write a second article. <laughs> okay. Man, I did yeah, a video and edited the podcast and oh, worked with I'm Joseph on social my... media. I'm just yeah. saying that, like, I've, I'm so, I'm so. You're on a roll. Well, no, but just because of you guys, and, and it feels good. It feels like it's. It's good output, I think. So while I'm happy to happy, I was telling my students, I was like, uh, one of my classes because they're they're working on their projects. Like, stop, stop your work when you know what the next stage is. Don't don't finish your work and not know where you're going. And I forget, I don't know, it was like hmm. Hemingway or Fitzgerald or someone I stole that from. But that's what I do with my writing. I write to the point where I've got an article, but I've got an idea for the next one, and then I stop. I don't ever stop. When I'm like, okay, I, I don't have another idea because then I don't ever have the blank page syndrome. And now I, I've just got this architecture in my mind where I'm just sort of like on this roll to put this stuff out. But so from, from an, I was going to say outside perspective, from someone that knows you and has heard your lectures countless times, it's too seemed, many times. It's no such thing as too many times with the George Howard lecture. But there we go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Take that. <laughs> And next time I upset you in some way, just think of that. Think of that. <laughs> uh, but it's it you're you're going through you've got this backlog of things you talk about constantly with clients and in the classroom, and you're finally putting on paper. My question is what happens when you you get through all of your your lectures and your You you view them you view coming. them as a as a finite thing. Like I cooked something up the other day. That I knew, I can't remember, <laughs> can't remember what it is right at the moment, but I knew that it was like, yeah, I'm going to be using this for the next 10 years. Like, you just build right. on other things. Well, no, I, I don't. I know what it is. I know what it is. I was so excited about this. It's in the article. It's, it's, I finally figured out why there's a delta, why there's a lag between in, in, in the disappointment that comes uh, axiomatically as a byproduct. So, if you put something out into the market, right, and you're trying to find product market fit and, and you think something, you've already got it figured out. And then the problem is the customers are still in the early stages 
of the adoption curve. So you're there in the awareness consideration stage, but they're not giving you a signal back. So that gap between you sticking something out and then getting something back once they get to trial is a torturous gap and you make stupid decisions during that time when instead you just need to chill the fuck out. And it's natural. Like if you think about it, if you think about awareness and consideration, you're not giving the the maker any feedback at that point. It's all in your brain. But you might be digging it, but you're not being, you're not making yourself known. And I just, this hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, this is kind of cool. And I can lecture on it, but but that's a new concept that's building on on other things. All right. So that's what I'm excited about as a, as a fan of the George Howard back catalog. I'm waiting for the new the new material to mm-hmm. come out, and I think that's. But that's you get it in to. real time. I, mean, I know. You're, I, I, you're see it. Largely, I hear it more than anyone else, but it's you do. But you're also hugely responsible for the shaping of it, and and increasingly for. I mean, again, the thing that one of the things you did with with a client recently, just like it, it that you know totally transformed my whole. So it, it becomes reciprocal. It's, it's not. You know, there's one of our clients right now. Something just happened. I shall not be talking yeah, to him. Yeah, something beeped and. Yeah, there's one of our clients. <laughs> that's that's right. the problem with, with doing something. it on a Wednesday. Yeah. For those Sorry. of you all who want to get into the consulting biz, realize that people just call you at any time of night. Yeah, that's also with expectations that you've set with yeah, people. Yeah, you got to manage the expectations. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on with me, but when it comes to sharing pieces on ENA right now, I'm like lacking serious confidence. I am like sitting on pieces and then starting new pieces. I don't know why. Oh, and I don't know no, what I, to do about it. I've, I've felt bit, a bit of that too. I want to yeah. let's dive into this. Let's, let's go deep. Cause I'm not let's really explore. sure where it's coming from, but I'll like finish something to like 90% yeah. and then I'll leave it where it's not done. And then why. that night, that 10% that's missing, I'm just like, I can't, for whatever reason, I can't bring myself to get there. And then sharing things, even just with you two, I'm like, no, it's not ready. It needs to be better. I need to finish it. And now, I mean, okay, I published the Spotify piece like a few weeks ago, and that was my first piece in a really long that's a time. Great I piece. Don't know that's what's a, going on. That's a good it's not just a, it's not just a great piece. It's an extraordinary piece. And it, at a, and Dan said it the other, on that Podcast is like, you've set the bar really high. Well, that's very nice of you guys to say, but if I do like one every or two a year, that's not enough. That output isn't enough. And it's not it's the not. expectation that we've set amongst us. And so and it's I'm a not disservice really sure to listeners. what's going on. Yeah, I have less to say. And actually, I've been given feedback that I don't speak enough. And that I sounded sad. <laughs> so I'm trying. Did you really get oh. outside feedback that you sounded yeah. sad? No, 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 no. That's just what I thought. Um, yeah, okay. But I have been told that I don't speak enough. But I That's think the I challenge with me... Chance. When I'm editing, the ch- sometimes there are strings of just George. Just like. But <laughs> I think with you guys, you guys can get really granular with music stuff, and I just don't, I don't have that same experience or knowledge, and so I can't really contribute. And I'm just like, well, I'll let them talk. But I don't know. Do you guys feel like I don't talk that much? Segment. I wish you talked more. Yeah. But if I wrote more, I would also have more to say. So that's actually why I mentioned that. And I would know like that. To, would you like me to put on my Dr. Schmock? My, my schmock of doctriness? <laughs> and diagnose Sorry. your problem? I feel like you're already wearing it. So let's get into it. <laughs> it's so easy. Perfect's the enemy of good. Yeah. 
I know. Stop worrying totally. so fucking much about it. Yeah, I mean, but I'm not. It's like I'm just not finishing things. But like, it's I'm the ten percent thing, it, but I'm and the not only reason that you're it. not you're you're getting stuck on the ten percent is because it, it, it's like I mean, one of the things that blew my mind is like a thirteen year old, I in seventh grade or whatever, I sat next to next to Maggie Toborowski. And Maggie Toborowski, like, she had terrible allergies. So she was constantly sneezing and coughing. Um, but in math, they taught us that if you keep dividing things in half, it's infinite, right? Which still kind of blows my mind. You know, mm-hmm. like, if you have a quarter, a mm-hmm. half, an eighth, a sixteenth. But, like, that 10% isn't, it's a, min, it's a mental block. It's like, you're done. Just stick it out there. You See, can no, I'm like no, I'm literally not done. That's the thing, and I I feel like it's some it's just like, you can't weird do a conclusion sabotage. Is it yeah, I'm like syndrome? it's literally not done. I can't share it. I don't know what it is. It's just weird because I haven't really experienced it, and I feel like my writing has opened up in a like really exponential way. In one way, actually, because of the book, but I just don't feel like it's translating. To this, I'm not sure why. Because you'd be too precious about it. Maybe, I, but Dan, you said you've experienced the same thing. Yeah, so. you know what? And I, I kind of gave the artist's way crap on our book club meeting. But the thing that I gave a crap about actually really helped me when I was working on this, um, the video that I, I submitted this week. Um, so the artist's way on Good. week one, it tells you to think about people that have dissuaded you from following mm-hmm. your artistic pursuits. Shadow and, critic. Uh, well, I'm sure I'm sure there've there've been several people. The person that sticks out is the first one who, when mm-hmm. I was in seventh grade, I had a Tascam eight track recorder and I recorded my first original song ever and put it up on MySpace and. Um, Matthew Z, I'm not going to give his full name publicly, but uh, comment. No, <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't remember how you it said it in the book uh, club. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, but I don't remember how it worked with MySpace, if it was a share or a comment on it or what, but um, basically trashed it, you know, as one, as a seventh grader might do, right? Um, and so, and I remember how like hurt I was in the moment that I had finally been able to do like a multi-track recording and even use like a drum pad to do the whole drum section and then record guitar layers over it and vocals and I wasn't comfortable singing, but I put it out on MySpace because that's what you did. That's what you do. That's what you did in two thousand four. <laughs> what you I do. Guess. Um, I don't know if you can anymore, but and the, but it made me think. I, I do. All through. of my content is exclusively on MySpace <laughs> and Friendster. Friendster, wow. Um, but it made me think, like, as I was going through uh, the video that I finished this week, which is great. It's it really it's, it, is. It's, it's as I was listening to it. Oh no! Oh no! I pressed the space bar on my computer and I stopped recording. That's right. I got Zoom audio. We'll make it work. Um, <laughs> that, whole, that whole rant. We're going to have to start over. <laughs> nope. I can't. But I've we'll got have to, to start that. over. Hi, guys. How are you? I was <laughs> no, to see let you him, again. Let him keep going. Let him keep George, going. rant uh, for 45 minutes. No. But it's it's tough in both in that situation in seventh grade and right now when I was working on this educational video, I'm the producer and the artist at the same time, which is very difficult hard, to do. Hard. Right? Mm-hmm. Um and in this instance, 
because it's this one video is not my opus. It is not the big piece of art that I want to represent my legacy in the world. <laughs> uh, I had to decide. Do like I you come want... from a long line of very noble servants. <laughs> yeah. Not me, your legacy. See, that's fucking lived genius in poor right houses. There. Like that, you don't. I do wish you would speak more. But you throw one of those in there every once in a while, it makes up for like a hundred thousand <laughs> of my words. Please continue. <laughs> but anyway, the point, I was listening to it and I was like, if I was, if my job was just the, as the producer, I would have this whole length of notes and I would spend, I would tell the artist to go back and spend another four hours making all these different edits and re-records but because this game, I think right now is a little bit more about quantity than it is about perfection. Yeah. I'm just going to throw a little bit more music underneath and a couple title cards and call it a day and think about all those edits as I record Get the, next one. the next one. But that's yeah. interesting because I also feel like this shift within me has only happened since we made it more of a quantity thing. Now that I'm like, okay, you have to publish something once a week or you pay money which i must be honest i'm not up to date with my payments well we don't but, know where to send them right now we're yeah, right about if, if but anyone with, uh, i think uh, you're gonna pay, pay you're gonna be paying i remember one time i was sitting in this bar in providence my buddy owned and <laughs> we wonder why george speaks yes. the entire episode okay. tell us yeah what nothing we're sitting there, and he just opened this bar. It's in Federal Hill, which is sort of notoriously like mafioso. If you've listened to the Crime Town podcast, Buddy Cianci. And um, we're sitting there, and it's, you know, dive bar, as I love, as I do. And this big, burly, burly fellow, burly Italian Cervantes fellow, walks in with a hand truck and a soda machine. And and my, my buddy and I are sitting there at the bar enjoying a beverage. In the middle of the day, and the guy turns over and goes, you ordered a soda machine? And we said, no, we didn't order a soda machine. He goes, you ordered a soda machine. And it was the mop. They put inserted a soda machine in to the bar, as they do. The big so, problem in Montreal. Restaurants you need to write your articles, or I'm going to get that guy with a hand truck. you got to pay your bills. Trying to figure out how this all came back to what we we're talking about. You gotta pay and your we bills. We barely made it. We barely. Made no, I made it. You gotta pay your bills. You know, I yeah, I don't know. I think maybe it's this quantity thing that's maybe adding a new layer of stress and is creating this invisible barrier. But it's just like accepting that the next one is going to be better, right? It's whatever yeah. you learned writing this one. Don't put those learnings on the editing process that you mm -hmm. currently go through, save them for the next one. I know one other reason though. The pieces that I haven't shared are after my conversation with like a woman I truly admire and I'm, I'm nervous about it, that I'm not representing her like well enough or the way that she would. And I, it's adding, and this is the first time this has ever happened to me. And I've interviewed like Nobel laureates and, and people that have won crazy accolades and I've never been so nervous about the output, but for whatever reason, I think because of the personal feelings I have about her, I'm like afraid to share my words around her. But you know, you don't want to let her down. And here's the thing you won't. 
but you will if you never publish the piece. There totally. There you I go. know. I Damn. was thinking. Exactly. I was thinking That's the that only, literal, like, only way you can let her down. Yeah. It's by taking her time. Yeah. And I've totally. done that. And I still, I okay, got so many actually, regrets. Yeah. That's a good fire under the, under the butt. Because I was thinking that today. I was like, at this point, it's kind of, at this point, it's kind of like semi-embarrassing to be like, I don't know. So. I've done that, and I and I have literal regrets for people that yeah. I've interviewed, and for whatever reason, just didn't publish. And they never ask because it it's like they're that kind of because, person. They're just, well, yeah, and then they think that they did something wrong. Okay, well, that I'll give you an out though. Say say your editor at Entrepreneurship and Art, Dan, who's a total asshole and never gets editing <laughs> God, stuff is on he time. Ever. <laughs> yeah, is has just been holding up the piece, but now it's ready to go. And does she want to give it a final look before it goes live? Well, you have to edit this out. Maybe she's listening to our podcast. I but throw yeah, my I, Forbes I, editors under the bus all the time. <laughs> they just didn't like that. They yeah. I'm having a, a yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's true. Maybe I should just. But anyways, this has actually been a helpful con, I think. Now I'm saying it out loud and you guys are hearing this. There's another layer of accountability. Baked well, that's what it. this is about, right? Yeah. That's what it's all about, baby. That's why I wanted to mention it because I'm like, I know I'm experiencing this block. It's not like, oh, I'm too busy or my intentions are, you know, in the right place. <laughs> it's a choice at <laughs> this point. So, anyways, that was this helpful. Gotta, Thank you very much. As, as the great Tom Waits says, you gotta get behind the mule. Yeah. You gotta get behind the mule in the morning and plow. If Matthew C is out there, I forgive you. I hope the <laughs> Dolphins lose this season because I know you're a big fan. But aside from that, I forgive you. That's what I remember. I <laughs> goat. Him. They might have some really valuable resources for you in the future. Get behind the mule in the morning I'll buy a goat plow. from Matt. Yeah. Mm hmm. Tres Should cosas, we do three things? Tres cosas. Yeah. George, I, I want to go first go because go, I haven't gone first in a long do time. It. And do I'm it. getting feedback as if I'm like do too passive. So I listened for the first time to Karis Swisher's podcast Sway, mm-hmm. which I've heard a lot oh, about. And I've think been of the Rolling Stones song. Well, I've been meaning to listen to it and I just haven't, but she interviewed Killer Mike and I thought that'd be a good place to start. And it's such a good conversation. Have either of you listened to it? Not yet. So he actually, it's funny that you mentioned like burning it all down earlier, George, because he talks about his like real feelings of wanting to burn things down, burn it all down. But of course he talks about being a musician, being an entrepreneur, a bit about the, um, the bank that he's starting that he's 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 created a bank for him that doesn't know that is um it's a whole purpose is to serve and empower the black community who are very historically underbanked but he talks just about being a black man in america right now obviously a lot about politics but also because it was the first time i listened to her podcast Maybe this is a, an obvious fact to most, but she's such a great interviewer. Oh, yeah. I feel like she best. really pushes back, and it's nice hearing it, because like, you can read an article, and you know, or certainly if you've, ever, if you've ever interviewed someone, you know how much editing goes into that process. But listening to her, like she pushes him on a couple of things, which 
could make the conversation harder. He also is such a, like, I think, pro. And I don't mean, like, trained. I think he's just great. So the conversation, I was, I was really impressed with how they both engage with each other. And so I loved it. And I think everyone should give it a listen. It's not very long. It's like 40 minutes. <laughs> you could listen to one of those or half of one of them. Yeah. I love Pivot. I, I listen to Pivot every week. I've never listened to it. But like I follow her and Scott Galloway. And so I see a lot of their content. I read stuff about them. But I've actually never heard her like live. But. She's great. And then yeah. another thing that I've been listening to or – you want to say something, George? No, I, I interviewed those characters years ago, LP and Killer Mike and their manager for my Forbes. I'll, I'll pull that up. I, I just, I think, and we talked about him. I thought he gave the very most eloquent speech that was given in the aftermath of the initial kind of um, protests around George Floyd. I just, mm-hmm. and we talked about it on this podcast. So I, that's I how the it. podcast opens actually with his speech. It, it's just in it's Atlanta. The best. The best. Yeah. I think that's like the the real power that he wields is the emotion in everything he does. Like it everything feels very authentic. They play the that speech in Atlanta and like he is truly on the verge of tears. And his yeah. music, you can feel like real power behind it. And him talking about this bank, there's like real passion behind it. I think the emotion is is kind of his secret sauce. Um or by that's in the part, but okay. So my second thing is one of my favorite podcasts, Heavyweight from Jonathan Goldstein is back Love for it. its fifth season. And there's only one episode out now, but it starts so strong. I feel like I was saying this to George. I feel like I just love him and his work so much, but I do feel like he peaked and then it got a little bit like jokey and I didn't love the last season as much. And this first episode, I cried. It's like the reason why I love his work. It's also, I'm just like, I love emotion. We have to stick with Sunday morning. <laughs> so I edit this out. I can't have a cocktail. Either. I find him so endearing. I, just, I love him. Yeah. I, it's like, I think his whole, the, I think his he's whole a writing style, his approach. <laughs> no, it's like. He could not be just, a gentler spirit. Yeah. No, exactly. I appreciate I his, his work so much. He also was raised in Montreal. I spent you know six years of my life living there. I feel very, I don't know. There's something, I think that's the Canadian thing though. There's something just like really familiar about him. Anyway, it's very self-deprecating. Is that a Canadian thing or is that just a I think that's him? mostly a well, it's a Canadian thing kind of, but it's also a Jewish thing. Ah. And I think his combination is is perfect, but he is very self-deprecating. He's a I monster. love the way he speaks about himself. He's not a monster. Um okay, and then my third thing, this is going on for like half an hour. This is why I don't talk. <laughs> um I visited the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum, which I've wanted to go to ever since. George and I were actually at the, I'm not going to say this right, but Glytotechet, this place in Copenhagen. I think that's right. Glytotechet. Yeah. No. <laughs> Glytotechet. You need a glottal stop in there. Right. Um, but it has like a, a very similar 
garden-y entrance feel. And so he told me, this reminds me of the Gardner Museum in Boston, but he actually told me about that because of the podcast that had just been started last scene about the heist at the Gardner. I think we've talked about this before mm-hmm. in 1990. So he was saying like, oh, there's... Uh, like- we weren't doing this podcast in 1990. You were three. No, I feel like I've already mentioned last scene the podcast. On you said this, we talked about this, this in 1990. Podcast. No, she didn't. No, 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 but the <laughs> no, was, Carly was very clear on what she meant. Yeah, you're you're like, like texting and then. I feel like not we talked listening. about this. I feel like we talked about this in 1990. No, but anyways, so then I listened to the podcast about the art heist, and I was very excited to go, and it's super cool because all of the art that was stolen they have empty frames for. And there are a couple of places where there's like a printout of what was stolen. And it was cool to kind of, you know, I don't know if you guys had a similar experience, but like for me, the first time I went to Europe, I was like, oh, history is real. Like maybe coming from Canada, it's even harder because there's not like really, unfortunately, because we don't acknowledge First Nation history into our Canadian history as much as we should, but nothing feels like particularly old. And so going to certain places in Europe, it was like, okay, like these things you learn about are real. And it reminded me of that feeling as a kid, being in the museum and like seeing these empty frames, like, oh, this is a real thing that happened and I can see it. And the courtyard is also just incredibly beautiful. It was one of my favorite places I've been to in recent history. That's, I, I, when did I go to England? I guess it was last March. I thought about that a lot, how history is so much deeper in Europe mm-hmm. than it is in the U.S. I went to um, the Canterbury Cathedral. Yeah. And, like, find anything that old in the U.S. Like, I go, I go to, if I find a building that was built in the 1800s, you know, I'm like, whoa. This is There's 1,600 houses yeah. here. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I've yeah. Also, I've never seen anything as old as Marblehead. Which is like 400 that's years. Weird. But the Canterbury yeah. Tales, like well, Chaucer, part. that's like 1100 or whatever. And like they still mark the spot where the priest was murdered by the knights. It's just yeah. like <laughs> wild. Right? Sorry, but I don't, I don't mean to hijack. That just struck no, me. No, but it, it, you uh, know my next what I book mean, choice though. is going to be the Canterbury Tales by, <laughs> by Chaucer. 800 pages of medieval verse. <laughs> Let's meet every day, too. (laughs) For 800 days. Who's next? Well, George, you were were so excited about your three things. Do you want to go next, or do you want to close out? Close it out. You want to close it out? Close it out. All right. Mine aren't aren't half bad this week. Oh, two-thirds bad. I know. (laughs) Every time we do three things, I can't stop thinking about... um, we did three things one week. You were like, I chose three things this week. Yeah. I, I think remember, that was last week. Was that last week? I think it feels so. like freaking forever ago. Cause I was, I was just editing it. And you know, I'm only looking at the audio. I don't see the video when I edit it. But I was just thinking of the smug look on your face. You're like, this is the best joke in the world. I, I chose three, three things, things this, this week. week. Yeah. It's not smug. It's like it just uh, tickles me. It just amuses, yeah, I don't know. It just amuses me. Just, yeah. You know, this week I have three things. Yeah, exactly that. 
and you're just like, I don't know why Larry David never hired me for anything. Like, perfect. <laughs> I used to sit next to him at the bar all the time on the video. Of course you did. Yeah, did. here we go. Yeah. I did. Never bothered. And then the mob dude came in, said he bought a soda yeah. machine. And I no, was like, ah, no, he would I can help the, you with that. He would pop go to the State back Road off. on the vineyard all the time. And I'd be sitting there at the bar and he'd sit there and I wouldn't bother the guy. That's very respectful. Even though I love him. I feel like we're kindred spirits. Because I don't want to be fucking bothered at a bar. Some gaboik. Damn. Three things what are your three things? Numero uno. SOS Fest. So I don't know it. It's a uh, benefit online concert for the National Independent Venue Association Emergency Relief Fund. Neva. Neva, which is hosted on YouTube. They had so many great performers, and it was great because a lot of the online concerts I've watched, where, the, where it's been like an online festival, it's like mm-hmm. two songs from this artist, two songs from this. This was like, it felt more like a festival where each artist played 20 minutes. Um, and they had tons of, they had the Roots, Foo Fighters, G-Eazy, Phoebe Bridgers, Leon Bridges, uh, just and three nights of it. It was this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, uh, and uh, it was held in um, independent venues. So a lot of them were in the Troubadour in L.A. That's cool. And all filmed very professionally, great audio. Um, I, th- I mean, I've been a Foo Fighters fan since I was a kid, so I thought they did a great job. They did a very acoustic <laughs> skin and bones thing. But Phoebe Bridgers, just she, she's just so good. every single thing she touches is she's amazing. So good. And she was so generous with her time. She had three guests in a 20 minute set Christian Lee Hutchinson, who she's done a bunch of stuff with, or she's clearly friends with um, and interacts with a lot. Um, I can't believe I'm blanking on the dude's name. The guy from Bright Eyes that she did. Connor um, Oberst. Yeah, Connor Oberst. He was on. And then some kid that like covered one of her songs on YouTube. Hmm. She really liked it. And so he That's came cool. on and she sang backing vocals for one of his Aww. songs. That's, cool. right? That's really um, cool. And then they all came on to play a song with her. It was uh, It was really great. And it's just nice to see. It's a great cause. It's well produced. Live streaming. I think it was pre-recorded, um, to be honest. But. Uh, just cool, great lineup. Um, I don't know. Well, I, how often do you get to go to a festival these days, right? It felt good. Um, <laughs> but and yeah, but, you didn't go to a festival. Yeah, but there was something about just like seeing the lineup. Like, oh, okay, I need to make sure yeah. I'm watching this 20 minutes because that's when this artist is on. Um, I don't know, and it's like, oh, this 20 minutes, I don't care about. Like, I enjoyed that. I didn't care about what was mm-hmm. happening for that 20 minutes for that artist. Like, that was my, I'm going to go get, like, a hot dog or something, you know, <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the food stand. It's like when Led Zeppelin was playing back in the day and John Bonham played Moby Dick. That was the time you went to get a beer. During the drum solo in Moby Dick. You got 15 minutes. Yeah. You've got 15 <laughs> minutes. Go get yourself a beer and come back and we'll begin Kashmir. <laughs> um, all right. Number two is Staged on Hulu. Oh, yeah. Never. Which is so fucking good. This is one I've of those things that could only come out of this beard. It's a six-episode miniseries starving, starring David Tennant and Michael Sheen. <laughs> starving. <laughs> David Tennant is so skinny, dude. David Tennant is fucking awesome. 
Yeah, I, I, love I, I grew up with Doctor Who. My dad Doctor grew up Who, with Doctor yeah. Who. So yeah. I, yeah, David Tennant is like in my entertainment He's a great actor. DNA at this point. But yeah, so they they were on um, Good Omens together, and the whole plot of this six episode miniseries, and I think it's based in truth, is David Tennant and Michael Sheen were supposed to do this West End play together, and then COVID hit. And then their director says, well, you know what? Let's just do rehearsals over Zoom. And when all this is over, we'll be the first play back on the West End. While everyone else is just starting rehearsals, we'll be actually doing our thing. And then all these things go wrong. It turns out Michael Sheen was actually the second pick for his character. And this drama (laughs) ensues. And they never actually really rehearse. It's just like all the drama and Georgia Tennant, David's wife, is in it. And it's like the wives jump on the Zooms and it's like... Is Michael napping? Yeah, he's not. <laughs> it's like he's, he's snoring in the backyard. We're good to talk. You know, it's just like this very. It's it's weird because everyone can relate to it, um, and they're both so good natured. And there's this Welsh versus versus Scottish dynamic that I really enjoy. And <laughs> the director just like can't keep these two guys like on track. It's uh, the. I was worried that some of it would just feel like too real, like too much of it, just like trying to keep Zoom meetings on track and like actually getting <laughs> projects done while this is going on. But uh, keep your tube in. I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that would ruin it, but it's it's really really well done. Um, I, I recommend everyone watches it. Um, my last one, I brought up this album as three things before. Or maybe I brought up the band as the three things before, but. Monsters, the album by The Midnight, they just released the full album uh, as an instrumental, which I wish more bands did because I agree. I just listened to it in a completely different way. And they're very so Mm -hmm. these got Jameson Lyle and Tim McEwen. They met at some like co-writing workshop in 2012 and they both loved the movie Drive and the soundtrack for it. And so they wanted to write. I remember you talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys both froze. That's right. The sound is being recorded. No, he's frozen. Now you're back. You're back. Now I'm back. Great. Well, my audio is still being recorded. I hope you guys didn't say anything uh, (laughs) profound. No, we were Uh, saying, oh, that, yes, that explanation, the drive soundtrack stuff. I do remember you talking about this. I said, Um, now he's frozen. (laughs) (laughs) You did say that. But, uh, it gave me in this instrumental version gave me a new appreciation for the album and there's a great guitar solo in the song 17 which is just like to, to use george's term it's shredding it's shredding it's not what i do i noodle out of it. i noodle whoever this guitar player is shredded get the um, sweet 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 axe and shred <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, but it's and it's it's good we've talked about focus music before if you're into Mm -hmm. that kind of 80s retro but kind of modern production it's good upbeat focus music it's some focus stuff is kind of ambient and like will put you to sleep this is a little bit more upbeat so highly like how would you compare it to aha's take on me (laughs) more guitar solos (laughs) uh well is it my turn now? Finally. Yes, it is. Finally. They're <laughs> <laughs> just nodding along for everyone else's. Yes. Great. Yeah, this great is one, Carly. Yeah, great suggestion. Yeah. I'm definitely going to look this up afterwards. Oh, I can't wait for, to explore that. 
Can we to investigate and explore? Okay, blow us away. Be prepared to be blown away. This week. <laughs> I have three. You were totally going to. He wanted us to catch him, though. That yeah. Was totally he's, he's, he's probably more delighted than he was caught. Okay, so. <laughs> Pull it together. Hold it together, man. Hogwarton. Farmer Hogwarton. My first is a quote by the great Thelonious Monk. Play your own way. Don't play what the public wants. You play what you want and let the public pick up on what you're doing, even if it does take them 15, 20 years. My second thing was originally going to be my third thing, my trace cosa, but then there was a little bit of new information that came to light. You order these? You, you put that oh, into... Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm very specific. I do sometimes. Yeah, I do always. Professional. I don't know what you amateurs are doing. I just throw them up there. My second thing was going to be my third thing, but it was the Beasties licensing a song for, and this relates to yours, um, to a Joe Biden campaign about a commercial for his great venue called The Blind Pig. And the MCA, in his will, said, please don't license my music. Um, and there was a case, I teach it in, in, in copyright law, about Hobby Lobby using a Beastie song and they got sued. But the Beasties have never licensed a song for anything after MCA died. Um, they chose to license Sabotage for this ad about the, the state of venues. And the Pixies did and the Breeders did. It's very good. And they're clearly pulling it like my heart and purse strings because it's <laughs> the songs of my youth. But anyway, I, I don't want to kind of put a negative cast on it because I don't know that much about it. Apparently, the, the dude that runs the bar is maybe, I don't know. But it was it's still pretty cool that they licensed it. Um, and I think it does continue to bring light to just the absolute and utter horror show that is this administration and its view of the arts and how desperate the situation is. So in all seriousness, this has been a, a super fun episode, but, um, but you know, it, it's this, these times for artists and particularly what we're talking about, the distinction between like what people think of the music industry and the actual music industry, the people that are working front, well, front and back of house, tour managers, road managers, it's, it's, it's very, very existential. So I love the fact that the gesture was actually shining a light on that. My third thing is the rabbit hole that is YouTube. And um, that's the main item. But Carly and I were, I don't know, I think she was just, she knew I had a bad day and she was kind of like, oh, you can, why don't you pick what you want to watch that'll make you happy? So of course I pick, well, how about we watch another Fishing with John? Because I just absolutely adore John Laurie. And and one of my favorite things was when I first introduced John Laurie to, uh, to Carly to John Laurie and Fishing with John, she described the episode with Tom Waits as just two grumpy guys complaining, which is exactly accurate, but just makes me laugh to know it. So I was like, you know, there's more where that came from. So we dial up Fishing with John with Jim Jarmusch, who I absolutely love too. And it it's great in its way, but it is just no shit. Two grumpy guys fishing. So it's we're such watching a weird it. Show. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I don't just know how it was absolutely made. <laughs> delighted. 
but I, I can read the room enough to know that like, yeah, it's probably, probably. And so I thought, I know, <laughs> I know what I'll do. I will, I will, I will move away from uh, John Laurie fishing with Jim Jarmish to <laughs> Dean Ween on a fishing boat with Les Claypool from from Primus. And I found it because I know that Dean or Mickey would like he, he when he stopped doing Ween, he started just like going out on the fishing boats and, and fishing. So I was like, oh, watch this, Carly. And I don't think Carly was that familiar with either of these characters. And it's just like it's a home, home video, video footage. on like a cell phone. Too. Yes, like a, a minute and 30 seconds of like someone's like, like you know, and, and it's like less and, and Mickey, you know, from Ween just making a mess of things. I was like, oh, yeah, well, let, let me explain Ween to you. Right. So then I'm trying to. And, and then so then I pull up um, a video of Matt Sweeney, who I've referenced on this on this podcast, on this course. This, this life course, um, and Mickey from Ween doing a guitar moves thing. And it's just a total mess, too. And Carl's like, what is going on with these people? I was like, oh, well, just let me just show you some Ween. So then I pull up, a, a, like, a live concert of Ween. And she's like, I don't know what even this is. And so I'm puzzling over this, going, like, how can somebody, like, Ween is deeply impactful on me on many, many ways. Like, how do you live your life without Ween? And then I realized, well, so Ween was really popular in, like, like 19, or not really, they were never really popular, but they had their moment in like 1991. Uh, uh, Carly was four. So like, like the, you're not going to probably know Ween when you're four. That'd be a problem. If like you're, if your oh. parents were like, oh, you're four, I'm going to play you some Ween. But so that's just like that a beautiful half hour of just from, <laughs> from fishing with John, Laurie and Jim Jarmusch to Mickey and Les Claypool fishing, to then Matt Sweeney and Ween, to then Ween. It was a beautiful moment. Not at all the YouTube rabbit hole that I was expecting when you kicked this off. Yeah. That's what, that's one what of the I won't ones. do anymore. What? <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> 45 minutes gone. <laughs> you got nothing out of it? Uh, no, well, of course. I'm just... Did he give your insight George's psyche? Yeah, Jarmish yeah. is cool as fucking Ween was pretty great, you know. I mean, in their way. Do you know Ween Dan or was they were they before your time too? I, I can't I I know the name of the band, but I can't say I've listened to any of their stuff on purpose. A sad state of affairs. I was well now we'll have even many links to Ween <laughs> that we can share with people. No, of course. I mean, like, I can appreciate the the music, and he's just a very sweaty man. (laughs) 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 So sweaty, just like pure sweat. (laughs) But anyway, dinner in the consider yourself grumpy, George. Well, I don't think I'm grumpy at all. I think like I was saying to somebody there, and this is a new thing for me in the past, you know, recent time. I wake up happy. I go to sleep happy. I feel like the happiest dude oh, in the world. That's great. What about you? Uh, my sleep stuff has been messed up. No, no, I can't no. Say I I'm concerned about you, but do you think I'm a grumpy dude? <laughs> oh, do I think you're a grumpy dude? <laughs> when you said, what about you? I thought you were asking about my emotional. I am. <laughs> that's what I thought, too. Shame on us. <laughs> no, I, I, I would definitely agree. You You are the least grumpy I've ever seen you. Yeah. And and now what about you? You're not sleeping well? I've been trying to figure out, do I wake up early or do I stay up late? 
because ever Can since I was at five thirty, yeah, ever since up. I was at my parents, have been waking up at five thirty. But now I'm like, would I be better off working late rather than working really early? And I can't, I can't say. I feel like. But did I'm, you work really late before going to your parents and waking up at five thirty? Yes. I can't, I can't. It's if I stay up late and work, I work slower. If I wake mm-hmm. up early and work, I'm more distracted. So maybe there's no real answer. Well, we're we're distracted. I work better in the mornings. I know that. But I know some people work better in the evenings. So you have to find what works for you. That's why there's chocolate and vanilla. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great week, everyone. I'm glad (laughs) we did this. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. The Entrepreneurship and Art Podcast is a GH Strategic Production, hosted by me, Carly Sheridan, Dan Cervantes, and George Howard. For more information and show notes, visit our website at entrepreneurshipandart.com.